from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. I'm ready. That's right. It's time for LaughBox. And this week I'm talking to Guy Giar. What's cool about my position as an interviewer is that a lot of times at a conference, I don't get an opportunity to have like in-depth conversations with people. So the podcast gives me an opportunity to really get to know people a little bit deeper. And Guy's one of those well, cool guys that uh, you just want to get to know. And we had a really good time uh, talking on the podcast. I think you're really going to enjoy the things that he shares about his I don't want to say adventures, but his his travels with Patch Adams as a clown and some of the experiences he's had. Just a really, really fundamentally decent guy, uh, much like most of the people in in the organization. So if you haven't registered for the conference yet, check it out at aath.org. You're going to want to meet everybody like Guy. So let's hit it. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And today, I get to talk to a pretty cool guy. I mean, I'm pretty lucky because I get to talk to a lot of really cool people on the podcast, but I get to talk to a guy that I met in Vincennes. Gosh, uh-huh. it must have been like four years ago, five years I know. Ago. Time flies. It's amazing. It goes so fast. I get to talk to uh, Guy Giar. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk to him, hear about, a, he's a guy that's got a book coming out in multiple languages. He's done some travels with Patch Adams, just, you know, super interesting. And I'm really excited to have you on the show today. So welcome, Guy, to, lead, uh, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Chip. It's, it's an honor to meet you. And I remember the first time I met you in Vincente. And since then, it's like, wow. I mean, you, you have so much presence and I, I just love what you do. Oh, well, thank you so much. I, you know, I enjoy following you on Facebook and seeing all the stuff you're doing. I'm always, always have guy envy. I'm always looking, it's like, man, guys are doing so many cool things. I wish I was with him, you know? So, so, but for our listeners, if you could share a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do, and then we'll uh, get into our conversation. Okay. So I've got quite a, okay. I'm going to be 60 year old. Let's start with this in, in a few months in coming November. It's actually the, uh, the year of the pig. <laughs> That's a pig, by the way. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I've been a 30 years visual artist. So if you go on, on, on my website, I've got 30 years of artworks, exhibitions. And I've been singing in choirs for the last 30 years. And I became a laughter yoga leader um, about six years ago. Mm. And I remember the first session, it's like after half an hour, I was sweating. Uh, I was aching in my belly. It was the first time I was doing this. I came out of that session and I say, this is what I want to do with my life. So it, it, it totally changed my life. Um, and then I, I, I started to do research on uh, laughter yoga. And then I found in, in the in the United States, there were kind of two schools, one with uh, Steve Wilson mm-hmm. and one with uh, Sébastien Gendron in, in the uh, West Coast. 
and then in, in France, there's another school, and then of course, Kataria, which I'm uh, being formed to. Uh, so I say it's amazing how laughter is being taught in so many different varieties, so many ways. Mm -hmm. I decided I wanted to write a book on the different styles. And now I felt if I, I want to write a book on this, I have to include Patch Adams in this book mm -hmm. because he's amazing. I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen the movies. Uh, mo most of our, your listeners have seen the movies. Yes. With uh, uh, the, our dear uh, Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. So Patch Adam is still alive. Let me, because <laughs> many people confuse these two, but he's still going strong. I was with him uh, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, sorry. And um, anyway, so I wrote to him and I told him, I'm writing this book on humor, on how humor changes lives. And I would like to do an interview with, uh, with you about this so to put it in the book and a few months later i received this newsletter uh and it says dergy um you know me i'm i'm too busy i'm on my my mission for creating my free gesundheit hospital mm -hmm. and uh, i don't have time to meet you but if you come and meet me in one of my missions then we could do that. Uh, and you know, when, when life kind of knocks at your door and you say, am I going to open it or not? Mm -hmm. Have you ever come to that moment? Oh, yes. Yeah. Multiple so it, times. Multiple times. So this was challenging. I said, oh my, who am I to do this, to go on a humanitarian mission? I've never been a clown before. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've been giving lectures for years and I've been a, an art teacher for years. So I, I love kids. I love people. And I was really touched by the movie. So I decided to uh, be courageous or be crazy, call it what you want. And I left for a two week in Guatemala on my first ever humanitarian clowning volunteer mission. Wow. Um, Isn't it amazing I, how sometimes when you just say yes to life, what, yeah. ama what amazing things happen? Yeah, and it, it, it's about jumping. It's about taking a risk. And for me, humor was how I got into that. So uh, Guatemala and then friends of mine who did this experience told me, your life's going to change. And I remember, maybe I'll tell you about that later, the exact our day moment where it was, where my life changed, where my heart opened. And then from that mission, uh, afterwards I went to India uh, as a humanitarian clown, and then Guatemala, Peru. And about two years ago was my last mission where I went to Russia with, with Patch Adams. Mm -hmm. And that's just amazing. And, and I have to say, uh, everything you, you, you hear on the media about Russia is not true. Um, I don't want to get into politics, but this cultural image we have is not what I lived over there. Uh, they're amazing people. They're welcoming people. Um, and each trip changes my life. So two years ago in November, again, that was my last trip. And since then, I've given myself the homework. You could say, okay, 
after after these six humanitarian trips i am ready it's now time to write my book and since then i've kind of have held myself back if you could say mm -hmm. no more traveling no more outing until i finish the book that's that's the uh, and that's will be coming out uh, hopefully before summer and it's called uh, love's healing journey so oh how awesome thank you thank yeah. you yeah so of all the places that you traveled on your uh missions which was did there's one that was a favorite of yours wow oh. it's like each one of them brings you a different experience so uh moscow like i uh, saint petersburg mm -hmm. that's that's uh, uh I, I i studied in amsterdam so uh for four years i, I lived there and there you have the canals mm -hmm. in amsterdam um and so amsterdam is called the venice of the north um saint petersburg has its own canal and the city is just beautiful and and the, the people there I, I have to say um the people themselves in in peru each each trip uh brings me uh i wouldn't say an awakening but a deeper opening of my heart and let, let's say one of the major one was in peru where we went in a small village called iquitos iquitos is is world renowned for be for being the biggest civilized uh, city with electricity and all that stuff with no direct road access to get there so you do go, you get there by boat or by plane but you can't drive over there mm. and um, when we were there we were some clowning in the suburbs of that small um, city and the suburb is in the Am amazon forest and where they, they are by the river, they're, they're the uh, ancestors of slaves. Um, so they're the lowest of the low. Uh, they have no electricity, no running water. Uh, their, their houses are on uh, pillities, like up in the air. Mm -hmm. And this time the clowning, instead of uh, going to hospitals or other places, we went directly in their village and we would bring joy and companionship and, and you know, um, resources to them. But what really struck me is that I saw uh, kids, like four-year-old with six-year-old with eight-year-old, and they had like babies in their arm, and they were just like together. And they mm -hmm. were, the feeling was they were really loving and taking care of each other. And then I say, wow, this is what, we are as humanity when we're not civilized um, civilization has brought good things from medicine and from uh, healthcare and and from um, science and stuff but the human contact is something i i feel um i we we, we have lost it's and with the end with um the social media we speak about the isolation as the disease of the 21st century mm -hmm. so, so in peru being in contact with people who you could say had didn't have the privilege of being civilized to the mm -hmm. same level as us right 
brought me back to say, well, this is what originally under all our technology we are. We are loving humans coming together. Um, that is that is an amazing observation and reflection. Um, now you said you'd never clowned before. Um, was it? I, I imagine that you know. I didn't know if there was a training for you. you just watched other people, but was it um, just something that didn't make a difference if you spoke the language or not? That it just um, it, it was an automatic connection that everybody understood, no matter where you're at. You know what you were doing. Well, it's it's a beautiful question because it brings about that each one of us is different. So uh, some people would need the language, some people wouldn't need the language. Uh, how a clown trip is structured, let's say. Uh, so we're 20 people uh, from throughout the world. We, we get together. Some of them are professional clowns. Um, half of, of us weren't. Um, uh, others were like me, it was their first experience. The idea is that you are open to be vulnerable. And um, I think, you know, coming from the laughter yoga world, for me, laughter yoga is not about laughter. Uh, same thing as, as in my interview with Patch, it says, uh, you, um, humanitarian clowning is not about humor, but it's about connection. Mm -hmm. uh, when I do laughter yoga, when I teach laughter yoga, it's always about making eye contact, about mm -hmm. feeling safe, about the exchange. So I do remember the, the first outing on the, the, the clowning mission. I was scared. I mean, I was shaking. I, I even cried a bit because of some memories it brought about insecurity. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I got out of the bus, and so the, these kids in wheelchair and the eyes connected, mm -hmm. it's like I totally forgot about myself and uh, I became totally present for them. Um, so clowning is not about makeup. It's, you know, we were having, uh, wearing funny clothes and stuff. Uh, again, everybody is different, mm -hmm. but it, it's more the idea of play. Uh, any kid will love play. Mm -hmm. Any kid will love attention. Now, also, you have to remember, for example, that in a hospital setting, uh, adults, we find it difficult when we're at the doctors or at the hospital. So for a kid, it's even like worse. And so it's about being powerless. Uh, and as a clown, suddenly we give all the power to the kid. He can do whatever he wants with us. It's no longer about this disease. It's no longer about following rules and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He's free to just be himself. Wow. Um, and, and as adults, and I'm sure you agree with this, I think one of the saddest strategy is that we were told we're not allowed to play as adults. Uh, just imagine what world we would be in if we would be allowed to play, play at work, play on vacation, play, you know, here and there. And I think the world would change. So for me, it's all about connection. Now, in, you know, with all the places you've been, is there, you know, and I'm sure there are a lot of amazing interactions you had with people, but is there one that just sticks out in your mind of like, you know, like when you think of, you know, your journeys, this is the one thing that, uh, you know, one interaction, you know, one mm. that really just hit you the most? Uh, 
Yeah, well, I, I do have to say it's, it's the first time I clown in Guatemala and that Wednesday afternoon at 12.30, I told you, I know exactly when my life changed. Um, we were, went to uh, Orfelina with about, uh, more about that 200 kids. It was an amazingly huge uh, Orfelina. And we were there for the day. So in the morning when we arrived, the kids sang songs for us and had a ceremony. I mean, they were totally you know, exhilarated that we were coming. And I had a, uh, a puppet because I didn't speak Spanish. So I, I had a, a bird puppet uh, that was my, my kind of translator. Mm -hmm. And uh, somehow, I don't know why, as soon as I came in that room with 200 kids, there was one little girl who connected with me, with my bird. And for the next two hours, she became my assistant. Her name was Yorbeli. And so we, we, we played together. She helped me give out stickers. Uh, since I don't do clown, I started to do push-ups as a clowning. <laughs> and, you know, it's all about playing. So push-ups and, and kids also love to run after you. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. If you have a clown screaming in front of you they just love going after you so i did a few things like that and then at one point came the a loud bell because it was lunchtime so we had to separate and then she just clung to me she just didn't want to go mm -hmm. uh, and so you know i couldn't speak spanish i couldn't tell her that i, I was becoming back so I, I gently picked her up in my arm and then I just kind of comforted her as, as she was kind of crying. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I just kind of rocked her to, so that she feels better. And, and then eventually a, uh, a, uh, one of the workers at the orphanage came and then explained to her that we were not leaving, that we're just breaking for lunch and we'd meet each other. So I put her back down on the ground, you know, still with sniffles, and then she just walked away turning back and i waved and then i went i went to 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 the bus to get my lunch and as i got there i felt like this heavy weight you know in my throat and it's like i couldn't breathe because i said my god you know this this poor little girl when when i'm finished with today i can go home you know to, to with my friends and then eventually to my family but for her, this, this is the end of the line. This, this is her home. She has nowhere else to go, no family to go. Right. And I just felt like, like crying. And, and I had this moment, and then it's like something, a door opened in my heart. And it just kind of, well, maybe I can't change her life. But while I'm here today, I can give her everything I have. Right. And at that moment, my life changed because I understood that it wasn't about me. It's about giving. It's about being there for the other people. And we'll be right back with that interview with Guy. But now it's time for fun facts. That's where we share facts about humor, laughter, sometimes the absurd. But this week, since we're talking about clowns, I'm going to share a clown fact. And this comes from the website Metal Floss. 
and it says clowns must follow the eight clown commandments. Being a clown is no laughing matter, and clowns of America International ask professionals to follow the clown commandments. They include remembering that a good clown entertains others by making fun of himself or herself and not at the expense and embarrassment of others. Promising not to smoke or drink in makeup or costume and to remove my makeup and change into my street clothes as soon as possible following my appearance so that I cannot be associated with any incident that may be detrimental to the good name of clowning. I just thought that was really interesting since we were talking to the guy. Uh, if you've got a fun fact, send it in. I'd love to hear from you. So let's get back to Guy. And, and you know, kids need it, but adults, I mean, I feel so sad for adults because, you know, it's like when we go clowning, the, 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 the hospital staff and the adults gear us towards the kids. But part of my trick or part of my concern is I go to the parents mm -hmm. and I say, I want to take care of the parents and I want to take care of the staff because the staff is doing an amazing job in, right. in, cir in circumstances that cannot be the best, you know? So. And, I think, and I think you bring up some really good points there that, you know, uh, going back to what you said about, you know, when you were in Peru and it was, uh, 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 less, you know, the people didn't have technology and so forth that, but they were a little more connected because they didn't have all that, that I think that in today's world as adults, there are a lot of people that are so, uh, very lonely and that's you, um, you, we have social media and we're connected, but that doesn't mean we're really fulfilled with that human interaction that we need. And that, you know, you brought up that point of you going and you know, trying to connect with the adults because they need that too. I think that everybody needs that a little bit more. And what a great world it would be if people just took the time to increase their interactions um, with kindness and love and joy um, just, just by 10% a day. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and and I'm happy you feel this way because this is what you know in in, in the talks, in the lectures, in the consultations I do. It's all about connecting and connecting. When you know, I, I talk about the the mind and the heart and the body, but the thing is that we are, as a society, disconnected mm -hmm. to what is happening inside ourselves, um, and and I'm I'm sure you know this. You can only give what you give what you can only give to others what you give to yourself um so the, the the loneliness people feel i can so relate to them because i went through this i mean th this is the the story of my my first book that's coming out soon mm -hmm. but it's the idea that how you deal with this loneliness how you deal with with the the the, the feeling stuck in life is with reconnecting with your humanity, for example, with, with, with what is inside you. And when I say I had this little young girl, your belly in my, in my arms, and I let her go, and I felt all this pain, then it's in, from inside of me that something opened. It's inside of me that something connected. Mm -hmm. and, and now I'm a messenger of love because I, let's say I didn't invent something new. It's not somebody else from the outside who taught me to do this. Mm -hmm. It's my inner wisdom, you know, the, 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 that opened up. Like I, I gave space and then naturally from that space, 
the love started pouring out. So uh, loneliness is the biggest disease of this society. And so, yeah. so if people are feeling that way, um, and you said that you had once been in that that place. Yeah. What do you wait a minute, when you go out and talk to people? What do you recommend that they do if they're feeling you know kind of you know lonely, disjointed, non connected? What are you know what are things that people you know what can what if I'm feeling that way? What's one? What's some things that I could do to like get out of that? Well, yeah, there there's so many things we we can do. It's like everybody is so different. This morning I, I met a friend at the, at the cafe where I was working. And we had got into this discussion and then, you know, some people are verbal, so they will need to do something with, you know, words and stuff. Some people are physical, they're kinetical, so they have to do something with, with movement. And some people are just visual, so they need like stimulation. So uh, it's like, there's no one fit all, but it's like, what do you feel? I really feel like the wisdom of the body. So, you know, what's your impulse? The thing that you've always felt like doing and it's giving yourself permission. Um, but, you know, as a kickstart, like I say, like I say for me, laughter, laughter yoga is, is an easy tool because it's a safe environment and it's about letting go. Mm -hmm. um, music. Music has been my, my lifesaver. Uh, when, you, when you read my book, like I said, I'm 60 years old. So I'm referencing to, to um, songs throughout my life's journey that transform. So um, when I was nine years old, uh, I went to my, I was lucky enough that my uh, primary school had a you know, tiny, uh, how do you call it, library space. Mm -hmm. And I could land records, like 33 LPs. Um, and browsing through there, then I, I felt this present, this face looking at me, and it was a record cover of a French singer. You could say like a, our Canadian Bob Dylan. Uh, but <laughs> and just having this, this record, it was like my first friend, my first um, presence in my life. And, and I borrowed it like at eight years old. I, bar I borrowed a record. And since then, I've been singing songs from this guy. Uh, so music. I think um, I used to be a DJ also on the radio. Oh, how uh, cool. I did not know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> and... Um, I mean, I've been singing in choirs for, for the last 30 years. I, gave, I was a lead singer for a Rolling Stone show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, anyway, uh, like I said, and I, I, I'll stop doing this, but uh, an easy way is music. Because mm -hmm. uh, with the internet, so somebody who feels lonely, maybe um, just, you know, talk radio is one thing. Uh, jazz, listening to jazz. List, just just uh, explore uh, on the internet and find some music that speaks to you. I mean, that's, that would be for me like one of the easiest um, non-committal thing to do. Um, if you're a church person, I'm sure uh, there's somewhere there's a church with a choir. Mm -hmm. uh, not that you have to go sing, but just go listen. 
I think that's, uh, you know, so some people that would be music, some people would be to get out of loneliness is um, those who are more kinetic, physical, then take classes, uh, dare to, you know, uh, <laughs> I dare myself to take a plane and go to Guatemala. I was scared of flying. Oh my God, you couldn't imagine. I was shaking. I was, you know, um, but I've used I love, my- And Guatemala is kind of a scary place just for the record. Cause I remember flying back from Costa Rica. We had a plane changeover in Guatemala. So okay. we, had get, we had to get off the plane and get back on the plane. We got off the plane. There were guys with machine guns standing there. And I was yeah. like, I was like, what is going on here? It, it free, completely freaked me out because it's I, not something you see in the U.S. Exactly. And that, that's the thing about traveling and, and getting to know the, the environment. Like, um, and I agree, like when you in the small downtown street of Guatemala City, then you have paratroopers walking by with, with guns, uh, not, not guns, machine gun in full gear. Uh-huh. Uh, and even the shop owners hire uh, watchmen at the front of, at the entrance of the store with a gun. So that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, that gives you a kind of funny feeling. But right. uh, before, when I lived, I lived four years in Amsterdam and then uh, four years in Paris. And then in Paris, in those days, at one point we had some terrorist um, attack. I forget what it was about. But then they, they had the, what they call in French the Plan Vigipirate, which meant that the army, I don't know how you call that in the States, but the army is called in the city to patrol. Um, so I got used to this idea. I think one should never get used to it. But this idea of seeing armed men with machine guns. So, right. um, but I agree. It's, it's, um, it has a lot to do with, with culture and not... Um, transposing your values to um, the, the the country you're right. visiting. I remember in, in India, I mean, talk about living in, in with poverty in a major city. And uh, some people had, I hear some comments about how dirty and poor and suffering the country was. Mm-hmm. And, but my feeling was like, as I, met the people they weren't suffering but they were not so much like accepting but the values were placed on something more like in peru about companionship about humanity about so like as a uh, modern citizen you might suffer from the lack of of convenience and stuff right over there but right. for, for them, um, they weren't. They weren't suffering. So my suffering is not the same. And, you know, that's how I work with, with clients. It's very, you have to be careful to say, well, you know, what you say, maybe I would suffer from it, but you don't. So, right. okay, this is not important for you, even if it makes me freak out. But you talk about something that for me is so... Uh, not an issue, but I hear that for you, that's an issue. Right. Okay, so let me get into your world and see what I can bring you 
into your, you know, for your, for your own needs. Right. It's never, it's never about me. It's always about uh, the person uh, you're with. So what about you? When, when you traveled, is there a special place that you felt uh, either transform or you say, oh my God, what, what is this around me? Um, South Chicago. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, a couple of things, a couple of things that you, you said there were uh, really uh, stuck with me that one, you know, all suffering is uh, relative to the person that's going through it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, that it's, you know, what's is suffering to me might not be suffering to other people. But the second thing that you know, I was taken from what you were sharing about the people in India and the people in Peru that a lot of times we place our happiness, you know, in the future, you know, I'll be happy if I'll be happy when I get this thing here and it's all based on material things. But what I heard you saying, you know, when you were talking about like the sense of community, the people in Peru and the sense of, um, satisfaction, the people that had in India that, and they were focused on something a little bit higher is that um, they were more in the now yeah. and that to me, that's where, you know, happiness, I mean, real happiness really comes from. It's not a tomorrow thing. It's, it's really kind of, it's a present thing. It's now. It's, yeah, exactly. It's all about now. Sorry, interrupt you. It's just like, I'm just so intense about you, what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, that's great things to think about. You know, just sometimes we get so wrapped up in what's going on around us and not having this and comparing ourselves with this or that or the other thing um, and other people, you know, via Facebook. However, yeah. I mean, that's even if we get all those things, I mean, you're never, you might, you might be happy for a moment, but it really is focusing on what you have. Yeah. Uh, right now and the people that you're around are really enjoying what they're with yeah. now exactly. so you go out and you, you share a lot of different things some other you know, like key things when you go out and share with audiences that um you think are like real key things that people need to apply to their lives yeah it's it's like uh, for me you're i, I call them the, the the three pillars of happiness and because you know, we, like you say, we focus on, on details, we focus on, on little things. And for me, all happiness depends on, on your state of your mind, the state of your heart, and the state of your body. And our uh, civilized society, we are a mind society. Uh, it's all about uh, achieving the most possible. Uh, how many people are stressed? about overworking uh, or lacking sleep because they, they worry so much. So uh, we are a mind society. The, the, the heart society, we have a bit of it, but it's mostly on TV, mm -hmm. on the internet. We, we, we sit down alone or together, and what's worse, together alone, if, if you know what I mean by this. Right. Yeah, uh, it was funny you say that because I just got back from um... – Germany and I was like there are so many things that are different but there's so many things that are the same and one thing that was the same is that yeah there are all these people around each other but everybody's on their phones so they're all yeah. together but they're still just kind of like wrapped up into their technology that's so yeah. funny yeah yeah so it's like the 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 mind is is the business is the achievement is is the schooling is this I must have I must have success and I must avoid failure at all costs. That's, that's the, the weight of what's happening in our world. The heart 
is, you know, if you think about the movies, it's all about making you, uh, you, you become an avatar. It's about your heart, your feeling is lived through somebody else. It's lived through GR in Dynasty. It's lived through uh, whatever hero you see in the movies. So it's like, and then you end up wishing that your life would be like in the movie. So then that's why you have the uh, magazine about movie stars and stuff like that. So we, it's like we delegate mm -hmm. our, our heart, our feeling, to actors who are playing roles instead of being responsible for them. And our, our body, uh, and I think that's the, 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 the newest thing I'm bringing about on the table is that we do speak a lot about the mind and the heart, but about no people speak about the body itself, how important uh, we need to take. It's not we need, even like let's say I'm at last with words to talk about the body because it's so much not in our culture. Mm -hmm. But the body, of course, is, is, is the physical health. You know, but it's taking seriously about uh, nutrition and it's about how uh, God, using your, your... It's like when you're driving in, in your car and you, you, uh, you want to change lane, then you're going to put your flasher. Mm -hmm. to indicate to the people uh, what happens if you don't have a, if nobody had flasher if if nobody had red or green lights in the city you you'd, you'd get chaos um, so it's the same thing we we were so much out of touch with our the signals from our body mm -hmm. that we don't know what is happiness anymore we don't know uh, uh, we don't know what is to, what it is to be hungry, you know. But just to talk about eating and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, in, in just a, a, la a last example, in in our culture, uh, we're allowed to change mind. It's something. It's kind of okay, you know. You learn something new. It's not. It's like I say. It's not traumatic to change mind or to have a, you know, but. Changing heart, it's mean to forgive. It's, it's like, I can never forgive him. You know, it's like some people um, changing your heart. That's already, for most people, it's a, it's a challenge. You know, it's like, right. uh, and for, for me, forgiveness, I, oh God, I hate saying this. It's not the easiest thing to do, but forgiveness it's, the, it's, it's something so accessible and free mm -hmm. and such an amazing tool that right. we have. Uh, but it's the most misused. There you go. That, that I can use. Now, right. but the body, that's the one we never talk about. And that's about changing our identity. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with, with the phenomenon that when, somebody, that some, when some people retire, it's they sadly they pass away a few years afterwards or right. a few months afterwards. Right. Well, that's because there's no distance between their identity as a person and their humanity as a, a as a living, loving person. And this is what we have lost the most in our society. And this is what creates the most unhappiness and loneliness. Because as you said before. We suffer from loneliness because 
we don't know how to connect anymore and connect to other, but actually it's all about being connected to the now of today, of this moment. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as, as I speak with you, um, I would like every, every one, except if you're driving in your car, don't do this, please. <laughs> but just put your two palms face up in front of you and just look at them, you know, just for a moment, just feel the presence of, of your two hands, palms facing up and look just how amazing this invention is. I mean, everything you can do with your two hands, move, move your four fingers, just move them around as if you're, you're holding something. I mean, think of all the wisdom, the amazing um, science. I'm sure even scientifically, we're not up to par to make something like that. No. And, then, and then take the, again your two palms and just put them together. You, you can be like in the praying, you know, put them and just, you know, just rub them. And then you can feel some heat and then you can, there you go, you know, and then just stop and then feel the vibration when you stop clapping, you know. And this is when you're connected to your body, this is what you feel all the time. And you can't be lonely when you feel, when you're connected with your body. It's like, and, 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 the, and, and even if it sounds corny, I love to be corny sometimes, but your body loves you. And when you're looking for love, and, and then in our culture, we're looking, for outs we're looking outside. Mm -hmm. the, your body is actually the most beautiful, unconditional love you have. But we're disconnected from that. So um, this, when I work with people, then, then we decide what is your, are you a, a visual person? Are you a, um, a sound person or are you a kinetic person? Mm -hmm. And when I say these are the three pillars, like, like, it's like, if you work on one, it's going to affect the, you know, so if you work on your body, it's going to affect your heart. It's going to affect your mind. If you work from your heart, it's going to affect your, your body and it's going to affect your mind. So, you, listening to you, talking with you, then I will know what, what you're, I'm listening to your body. Maybe you're not, I'm listening to your heart. I'm listening to your mind because I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to tell me which way to go. And that's why I love laughter yoga because I'm sure you agree with me. Laughter yoga, first of all, it's physical. Uh, the more you get into it, the, the hormones, the oxy oxygenation, the movement. Uh, it's social, at, at least the way I love to do it. Mm -hmm. it it's playful. And, and like I say, for the mind, it creates a distance between what you thought was so uh, impossible to live with, to live with, and, 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 it creates a distance. Um, you know, we're so close to our, our thoughts, to our problem, 
Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the book uh, by Viktor Frankl, um, Man's Search for Meaning. I am. There you go. Um, I, I, when I wrote Love's Healing Journey, because my, my, my book is a memoir of my own story, mm -hmm. uh, I wanted it to be a tool in the same way that Man's uh, Search for Meaning of Viktor Frankl is. And what he says, what he shows in that book is that the people who survive, I mean, it's a very sad story, but the people who survive the concentration camp are the people who could create a distance between their pain, between their, their suffering, and to be able then to just go live in the present moment. You know, I am more than my pain. Mm -hmm. I am more than my thoughts. I am more than my feelings. And this is about reconnect. So when you say we are more than what are you? Well, that's it. You're, you're connected to, uh, some people can call it your spirit power. Uh, it can be put in the guise of, of, of religion, of um, uh, having a, 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 you know, Christian or Jewish or, or whichever um, speaks to you the most. And this is what matters the most, is that it, it, it speaks to you, but it, it's beyond our identity, beyond our feelings, and beyond our, our thoughts. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Guy, I have really, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. I mean, you've given me... <laughs> you've, given, you've given me like a lot of different, you know, a lot of different things to think about and, you know, uh, to, to reflect on in my own life as far as, you know, you know, how I'm connecting with other people, how I'm connecting with myself, my, my, uh, uh, not being so concerned with somebody, you know, some things that I might worry about and just, you know, being uh, more in the present. Now, mm -hmm. if after today people want to connect with you, where do you want them to go? Where do they connect with Guy? Uh, the simplest way you can do just with my name. So I have my website and from there you can just uh, see my artworks, see my clowning work, see my singing works and uh, contact me about some private consultations. So it's just my name. It's G-U-Y-G-I-A-R-D. And like, like most people write Girard as Marie-Kay from... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> After five years at the APH, Marie Kay always still says Guy Girard, which is fine because it's, it's, Girard is, is much more common than Girard. Mm -hmm. So it's just my name, guygirard.com. Um, but also I've, I've created a website for my book. So it's Love's Healing Journey. Maybe that's easier because it's just, it's a phrase as opposed to just my name. Right. Um, so well, I know, both are, since you spell it out, both are pretty easy, actually. So no. you know, if I was trying to spell your name without knowing, I mean, just from the pronunciation, I would be like, being an American, I'd be like, I would never get there. But since you spelled it out, see, it's much easier that way. Uh, it's my pleasure. And, yeah. and uh, I'm on Facebook, on YouTube, LinkedIn, and I love people. I'm, I'm here for the community. So uh, if you... Please feel free to get in contact, even if it's just to say hello. Um, I love you all. I love well, you all. I love our humanity, and we are together. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. 
what a great interview with Guy. Um, such a really awesome person, uh, fundamentally a decent human being, and very indicative of the people that are in our association, very representative of the people that uh, we have within our group. We have just a lot of people that are out there doing really great work, making a difference in the world, using humor, laughter, clowning, whatever your special skill is. Um, I'd love to hear from you what you think about the podcast. Um, uh, if you haven't registered for the conference, make sure you do so at aath.org. It's coming up. It's coming up fast. So until next time, this is Chip Watts saying we'll keep the laugh on for you. This is LaughBox, <laughs> the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. LaughBox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at aath.org. Be sure to review LaughBox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit laughbox.aath.org.